When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. It is Craig Borden here once again hosting my show, Jaybird Watching. Once again with me, though, Adam Corsair of South of the Six and being the guest this week after a random guest appearance, like a Saturday Night Live thing last week we almost had going, buddy. How's listen, it going? <laughs> listen, listen. I cannot fill the shoes of one Mr. Brendan Panikar, but I can be an adequate, adequate guest. And, you know, once again, you guys – Picked up one of my options, calling me up from the minors. Here I am this time as a guest. I'm happy to be here, man. How are you? Doing good. Sweet swinging Adam Corsair coming in to uh, <laughs> pinch hit and hopefully hit a home run on his second week here in a row. It's like got a hitting streak going almost. <laughs> you're uh, you're putting the pressure on me. Now I'm going to go into a slump. Okay, so it's ninth <laughs> inning. you got to hurry up and get off the bo- uh, get off the bench here with your bat. <laughs> oh, God. Got to pop one. I didn't. I didn't remember to put my batting gloves on and singled out. Sorry. As long as you didn't go Nomar Garcia Pera on me and literally no. take nine years to get back in the gar- batter's box after playing with every little Velcro thing you possibly could. No, Craig. I'm one and done. Once they're on, they're on. That's it. All right. So it sounds like we got the gloves ready. We're gonna dig in. We're gonna grip in, and we're hopefully we're gonna pop a bomb here. And unfortunately, Brenton, or I mean, yeah, Adam. See, I'm already doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Adam, we got some sad news in Blue Jays Nation this last week. Perennial All-Star, Gold Glover, Tony Fernandez dies at the age of 57 due to kidney, more or less failure and complications. Just desolate for Blue Jays fans as far as everything goes. I was heartbroken a little bit when I heard this news, being somebody that grew up watching him, but as far as it goes, could there be anybody better in a Blue Jay uniform over the years and been as consistent as Tony Fernandez was, Adam? No, no, and that's the thing. Like, this has been such a, for lack of a better way to put it, this has been such a a roller coaster with the uh, the ups and downs when it comes to uh, Tony Fernandez. And for me, it's just like you saw some optimism earlier uh, or towards the end of the week. Um, I want to say his daughter came out and said, like, he's sort of coming back, like, things are on the up and up. And I think Blue Jays fans sort of had a sigh of relief at that point and, you know, were really keeping their fingers crossed. But unfortunately, um, it was his time. And, you know, this is a guy that's going to, it may in fact be, as you said, the the most consistent Blue Jay, maybe the most athletic Blue Jay ever. And he was just phenomenal. Like, this is a, we were talking off air, like, how many guys have been a four-time Blue Jay. I don't know. 
Like, I don't think we could figure out anybody that was able to do it. And so that in and of itself is a cool thing. Um, you know, started and ended his career as a Blue Jay. But, you know, the numbers speak for himself. And at the end of the day, he's I, I, I know he's, you know, very much loved amongst Blue Jays fans. But this is a guy that should be honored appropriately by the organization. Yeah, and as far as honored appropriately, in all reality, he was more or less, I'm going to think, say it this way, I think he was our first superstar with the rest of the guys in the outfield, with Barfield, George Bell, and obviously Lloyd Mosby. Mm. But that group, the four of them together, this is the reason the Blue Jays all of a sudden became a force. That team started coming through in the late in the early 80s after just being garbage. They're <laughs> an expansion team. We don't know what we're doing. But all of a sudden in 1984, the year I was born, <laughs> I know, mm. I'm doing my history dive here. It's okay. I'm an 85-er. That's cool. <laughs> but that's where you got the icing on the cake. The drive for 85 sure. pushes the Blue Jays into the conversation. And for better part, Adam, this team became a wrecking crew for more or less a decade. Yeah. And Tony Fernandez was a huge part of that. It's it's unfortunate. It's just so sad because like when you look at the golden age of the Blue Jays, you know, franchise history, he was definitely highlighted in that, you know, and a lot of people don't, you know, recognize how pivotal he was to the success of the Blue Jays in that 1993 run. Um I don't know that they could have done it without him. And if you if you haven't, you know, familiarized yourself with a lot of Tony Fernandez, and I, I'll admit, like, back in, in the early days of the Blue Jays, I wasn't able to watch a lot. I don't know if it was the same with you, Craig. I don't know how the reception was in, in Rochester when it came to games being broadcasted. But here in Rhode Island, as you can imagine, they were few and far between. It's not like MLB.TV was available um, <laughs> back in the 80s and early 90s. So... For me, it was just whatever I can get my hands on, whatever it was on, you know, Baseball Tonight, whatever it was on, uh, you know, in magazine clippings and later on in the Internet. But if you haven't familiarized yourself with Fernandez, I highly suggest you do so. Yeah. And as far as reception goes, we got mostly the radio feed at our okay. cottage, <laughs> which is yeah, happened we, to be snug right up on Lake Ontario. Yeah. So that little bit, those couple extra miles or kilometers, however you want to say it, <laughs> got yeah. us that closer to Blue Jays baseball. And I remember on a certain occasion, we were all on the deck, goofing around, hanging out, having a good time with the family and everything. We're listening to the Blue, the Blue Jays play the Yankees. And at the time, Tony Fernandez was a Yankee. Okay. He ends up hitting the cycle that day. <laughs> and we, and you know how much I hate the Yankees. I can't just other than the possibly the Astros unseating the Yankees and my level of hate lately. Mm. The I just despise the Yankees. I grown up around all nothing but Yankees fans. I hear you. And that day, I couldn't have been more happy to hear Tony Fernandez hitting the cycle against his former team. It was just insane. I loved every minute of it. So you put your bias aside for the sake of a of a Golden Blue Jay player. Um, that was wearing pinstripes. I think that's admirable. And uh, your hatred towards the Yankees mirrors my hatred towards the Red Sox for the same reason, dude. I'm just surrounded by it. So I feel your pain. Just swimming in the deep end. That's it. <laughs> so, but they're playing baseball around the neighborhood and everything, man. I always wanted to play second base and shortstop. And it was always because of Roberto Alomar and Tony Fernandez. Oh, yeah. And watching those video footages, I used to always see any, like like you said, on Baseball Tonight or on Sports Center the next morning, whatever it might be, 
you see a couple of glimpses of Tony Fernandez making just obscene plays up the middle and having that little like weird submarine throw. We used to do that goofing around out in the you know in the street when we were just playing catch, <laughs> flipping yeah. the ball up to first base with that ridiculous throw that like he has with the underarm thing, a submarine. In a recent interview I just saw with uh, Jesse Barfield, he was calling they used to call him Flipper because of that mm. throw. <laughs> <laughs> so I can see why nickname stuck, you know, and yeah, I mean, like, like I said, these are the this was the the meaty period of uh, of Blue Jays' success, and uh, he was a huge part of that. Like I said, that we were talking off air, he had I think three franchise records for the Blue Jays. I want to say it's hits, is it triples as well, and triples runs, and yeah. runs scored, I believe, was the other. Okay, one. yeah. So. Um. Yeah, hits, singles, and triples. Yeah, it's yes. it's it, you know that's something that's going to be etched in Blue Jays lore forever. Obviously, until someone takes it over. But like those three alone, being a four-time Blue Jay and being pivotal to winning uh, the 1993 World Series, I'll I'll just toss this to you. Do you think his number is worthy of being retired? Because we just mentioned, um, you know, he needs to be honored appropriately. Is that what you had in mind? What I have in mind, at least at a minimum, is it's really oddly convenient that they have the powder blue uniforms, which is where Tony Fernandez made his name as a Blue Jay in those onesie uniforms, the pullover ones that they had back in the day. Yeah. I, I feel like there's I'm putting something on that jersey this year. Regardless if it is a retired number, I'm honoring Tony Fernandez one way or the other this year. I'm putting the like the number one patch with a baseball mm. or something on the jerseys this year. And I just think that that's the best way to honor him. He's been such a big part of this franchise. And it's not even just the plays and all the hits and all that stuff. But this is a guy that when he came back every time, he was teaching other generations of Blue Jays players how to play the game. There's There was a great tweet from Jose Cruz Jr. of all people that I just didn't even know he had a, you know, Twitter yeah. account other than the fact that he fell off the planet a little bit after leaving ESPN but he just the fact that he more or less went out of his way to tell everybody that Tony Fernandez taught him how to play the game properly in Toronto that's the kind of character and if you were going to have a face of a franchise it'd be somebody like this Tony Fernandez is a guy that is the perfect poster child for a franchise and how you play the game would you agree that he's the greatest Blue Jay shortstop of all time I don't know how much there's even a big argument. (laughs) So I'm not saying that we haven't had good shortstops over the years, but it's almost non-comparison level because it's just so many gold gloves. 1,500 of his, you know, 2,000-something hits were in a Blue Jay uniform. Mm. (laughs) You know, so it's crazy, but... in all reality, I think it, I think he's still one of the highest WAR-rated players in the whole system. Forty-five point three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly nuts. Yeah. But as far as in a Blue Jay uniform, I'm looking at the Baseball Reference stuff right now. He's the third highest ranked WAR through all Toronto Blue Jays players ever, and only behind Dave Steeb, Roy Halladay. Yeah. And if you're talking franchise guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those two yeah. guys have been the poster child for their generations, and I think Tony Fernandez is in that same ballpark. Yeah, I would, you know, right now, obviously, uh, Roberto Alomar and Roy Halladay, those two numbers are 
Uh, as of today, the only Blue Jays numbers that are retired, all former Blue Jays, obviously Jackie Robinson is in there too, obviously. Right. But, um, you know, now would be the time. Maybe it's, I don't know uh, how, you know, controversial, maybe that's the wrong word I'm looking for, but how uh, argumentative or how difficult, I guess I should say, this will be for Yamaguchi. Um, he's donning number one right now, but... You know, given the circumstances, and maybe if you toss him a couple extra $100,000 or whatever, maybe he will put up a stink about it. Or you do the Lucky Robinson thing, like how you let Mariano Rivera and company wear the number until they're done being a yeah. Blue Jay or something. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. At least then it's not. It's still the classy tip of the knot, or a tip of the hat to a just class act, insanely good player. But somebody else that has this future with the Blue Jays that is going to probably be pretty damn good himself. Yeah, yeah, we don't even know the the ceiling that he's going to hit, but you know, to I I don't really have more to say about Fernandez other than like it's super unfortunate. Um, again, if if Blue Jays fans you are unfamiliar with him and you know you haven't seen a lot of footage, I I highly suggest that you do so. And Just I can't stress the ninety three World Series, man. Yeah, <laughs> get the DVD. Seriously, you can go on Amazon right now, and probably get that DVD. No Five bullshit. Bucks. Yeah, easy, easy, five bucks. I like, honestly want to say the last time I watched it, it was on YouTube. Okay, there you go. <laughs> like, you can. And there are interviews with him within the documentary of the '92, '93 World Series. You can get your hands on that easy. Um, but, but yeah, I highly. Oh, he was a catalyst for that '93 team, a team that was yes. already really that good, but not sporting the best at shortstop at the time, and getting an igniter, an ignition from Tony Fernandez, 96 games through into the season. Yeah. It's insane. And the guy that literally had nine RBIs in 1993's world series against the Phillies. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's, it's amazing that Paul Molitor got the world series MVP. It just shows you how much more ridiculous Paul Molitor was in that world. Series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, because if Paul Molitor doesn't pop a few home runs and this is the bane of existence for Kurt Schilling and company, <laughs> Tony yeah. Fernandez is your guy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man, Kurt Schilling with the mullet. <laughs> and hiding behind all the towels and everything. That's oh, yeah. fun. But I do have to mention one last thing as far as Tony Fernandez's great career went. He finally got a crowning moment other than the fact that he got the ring in 1993. Hits the game-winning home run for the Cleveland Indians against the Baltimore Orioles in the 1997 ALCS pushes them to the World Series. And a really fun tidbit that you and I were talking about uh, before the show, Tyler Kepner of the actual New York Times tweeted out today that Tony, a picture of Tony Fernandez hitting that home run and celebrating was the first color photo on the New York Times in 1997. There you go. It's cool stuff. Random history forever. note. <laughs> yeah, that's forever. Front cover, Indians celebrating and going to the World Series. That's pretty damn cool stuff when you have number one, Tony Fernandez, right there. And chance, chances are you could probably find that on eBay. So <laughs> I know. Speaking of finding things on eBay and all over the Internet, yeah. I'm, I, I just if you want to be a guy that plays shortstop in Major League Baseball or even just in college and high school, wherever, kids, this is – a guy that is fundamentally insanely good watching him on a baseball diamond at every facet of his game and severely underrated. And for a guy that had that kind of career war at him, I'm wondering with the fun that's going on with the Baseball Hall of Fame and everything, if he has an outside 
dark horse candidate kind of thing for the veterans committee and you know never know there's a guy that hit 288 for his career won five gold gloves stole 246 bases you could make an argument that he's just as good as some of the guys that have gotten in on that veterans committee boat boat yeah yeah i, I wouldn't shock me but um like i, I mean said, the, outside yeah, chance but the standards have sort of slumped a little bit it's not what it used to be so um maybe this is something that could happen but i'm not i'm not necessarily holding my breath and that's no disrespect to him it's just you oh, know, know. For, worth mentioning though that's all yeah, i yeah <laughs> for sure because there are plenty of his friends that are just like he's the best shortstop i've ever seen play right right <laughs> so and the fact that he finishes with his career with the blue jays at the age of 39 and through 48 games still bats 400 or bats 300 yeah <laughs> yeah who does that yeah outstanding <laughs> so anyway tony fernandez unfortunately is no longer with us at the age of 57 but he will be near and dear to any major league baseball fans especially blue jays fans for basically as far as existence and memory goes as long as our franchise is still good i think <laughs> so good stuff Big, yeah always good to have a good tony fernandez memory absolutely so. absolutely Anyway, Adam, we got some weird fun for the Blue Jays fans this evening. And we'll end on some, you know, more ranting about terribleness with regular Major League Baseball things. But I don't want to hex everything what we just did good. Sure. sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk 2020 season projections and how they fall within last year's Major League Baseball stats for the Blue Jays. And okay. looking at these Toronto Blue Jays projections, we're going by the Fangraphs steamer um, projections right now because a lot of the other ones haven't come out. So this is almost like a way-too-early prediction show. <laughs> well, but, Adam, are you shocked by what we're seeing on this steamer list as far as who is on offense going to be the best Blue Jays? Um... It, uh... <laughs> a little bit. I mean, like we just talked about it. If, all right, so if we're going to start with, uh, and by I mean we just talked about this, we just talked about this off air. If we're going to talk with, you know, the, the dingers, right, and that's what everybody wants to gravitate towards. Chicks um, dig the lawn ball. It's been yeah, proven. Tom yeah. Glavin and Greg Maddox got it. <laughs> you know what? Chicks dig Randall Gritchuk, and apparently he's supposed to be hitting the most, according to these projections, going to be hitting the most home runs out of anybody else on this team with 30. And this is ahead of guys like Vlad, um, ahead of guys like, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, Travis Shaw, whether you want to believe in the bounce back, even Lourdes Gurriel. He's, or even Teoscar Hernandez, who hit yeah, 30 last year, right? Yeah, strikeout machine Teoscar Hernandez. You never know. <laughs> like, this is, it's, um, it, it baffles <laughs> me that Randall Graychuk is their favorite to hit 30 home runs. I, I just, I'm not, I, I just can't get there. It seems odd, especially when they're literally calling that he's going to be in that same pretty much ballpark strikeout range that he is. I just think it's hilarious we bought up, you brought up Randall Gritchick and Teoscar Hernandez being married at the hip in strikeouts, and they are literally one strikeout apart from each other at 148 and 147 on these yeah. projections. Yeah. The thing that I think shocks me even more on that number, though, Kevin Biggio is predicted to have the most strikeouts of any Blue Jay this season. I do not agree with that at all. I don't know how that happens. He's a strikeout yeah. guy too, but he's not in that same ballpark. I think as Teo and uh, Grichik. This is a guy that, in my opinion, and I've said this to you before, and I've I've not been shy about this opinion. He has, for me, the most sound approach at the plate out of anybody on the team. Um, I just love it. 
I, I just think I love his stance. I love his swing. I love his eye. I just think that, you know, uh, it, it's the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. And I, I think that maybe last year was a result of, you know, rookie jitters. That's certainly possible. I don't see him striking out 150 plus times. I, I just don't see it. And I think that, you know, with, with a little bit more maturity and a little bit more experience under his belt, that should trickle down. Yeah, not to mention on the same projections, they some they give him his due on the walks. 82 eat the Blue Jays as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a little backwards. I don't know how that math works out, but he's also allegedly a 234 hitter. I just don't see that happening too. I figure at the end of the season, at a minimum, Kevin Biggio is going to look very similar to Randall Grichik in offense numbers. Maybe not as many home runs, but I think those double those home runs will leak over into doubles, and the RBIs and runs scored will look about the same. Yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, maybe this is a matter of him playing like uh, a lot more games. This is why the strikeouts are, uh, you know, projected to be up from last year. Um, but still, like, I, I, I don't see him being this quote unquote poor um, for a full season. You know, give, give this kid a full season. I think he's going to start to crack his potential. And I think he's going to be something a little bit eye opening. Like, for me, he was. I know Bo Bichette sort of sold the show towards the end of the season last year. And uh, I don't want to say people were disappointed in Vladdy, but the, the hype was a little bit too much. Um, but for me, Captain Why, Biggio... Like Trout? <laughs> no, no, not at all off the bat. You know, crazy, right? Um, but for me, Kevin Biggio was a breath of fresh air. I loved watching him play. And just the eye test alone suggests to me that he's going to be better than what he produced last year. And what he produced last year, you know, in 100 games isn't even that bad. No, right. it's a great sample size. You know what you're going to get from him going forward. And the fact that he can play infield and outfield at a few different yeah. positions, this kid, he's going to have a job hitting for the Toronto Blue Jays for ages. Okay. <laughs> and there's no okay. doubt about it. Yeah. And depending on how some chips fall in the spring training here, depending on how the team could possibly be better, is going to possibly dictate his position. But I am not worried about his bat in any means necessary. No. No, not at all. I agree with you there, for sure. So, I know on the next couple of things on here in statistics go, I know you're rather shocked by this next one, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will lead the Toronto Blue Jays in RBIs. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, and oddly enough, he's going to be right behind it, Bo Bichette in runs scored. So, that's the basic group that we knew was going to be the main contributors to this team – being, I'm, I'm going to say that they, they might have the uh, chain on them a little bit here in some of these predictions, but the fact that Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Loris Gurriel Jr. are going to be your main contributors of runs in RBI form or you know scoring themselves. I think that bodes very well for where this team could be because those five, those four guys, at a minimum, that is what I think they're going to do. Yeah, and they still have Randall Greychuk sort of lumped into here. Maybe it's just I'm not seeing it. Maybe they're super confident in his abilities. But, yeah, you know, when it comes to that youth movement, that youth surge that we've been, you know, hyping up for the past couple of years, this is it in practice, right? This is what we're hoping to see when it comes to the fruit of the labors of these four players. And, you know, thank God, thank God Lotus Gurriel found a spot in the outfield because, you know, had that spot not opened up for him or had they not, you know, utilized that experiment, he might not be a Blue Jay today. Like, he might have gotten either traded, 
been claimed. I don't know, but like, thank God he he found a, a spot in the outfield because this kid for me is going to be someone that's going to be special and someone that's going to anchor this team for quite a while. Yeah. And you know, these projections suggest that. You know, you mentioned Bo, Vlad, Cavan, and Lord. It's like that is your catalyst for this team moving forward, especially in the offensive end. And if these projections are to be realized, they're going to show it. Let's dive in and focus on Loris Gurriel Jr. here for a second because right now it's saying that he's going to bat 265 with a 307 on on-base percentage. He's going to have 30 doubles, 2 triples, and 27 home runs while driving in 84 and scoring 74. Mm-hmm. I would not be shocked by those numbers at all. The only thing I say that might play a little differently is it wouldn't shock me with his legs that he actually is closer to maybe the 40 doubles. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, the way but he still, hits the ball, man, it's just it hits in lines. You know, he's yes. gonna murder somebody with that ball one of these days. I feel bad for he's, third baseman. He's pretty aggressive with his base running too. Correct. Um, so it, given that, it wouldn't surprise me if you know it, it's more than thirty doubles. But I do think thirty. Obviously, these are projections, so I think that's a fair estimate as to what he'll produce. But um. I think the biggest problem with Lourdes Gurriel last year and you know the the reason why we didn't see him really produce that well in the beginning of the year was because I think the the defensive woes sort of bled into his offensive production, right? And and sort of, you know, made it worse and made it a detriment. Whereas once he got his confidence in the outfield, he you could see that the confidence at the plate was there and he became a much more overall better player. And I think given a full season of that, if he's confident at the plate, like if he's a, his approach at the plate is full of confidence, full of poise and swagger, I think he's going to make some noise, and you're going to hear a lot of you're going to see a lot of those rather those hard drives, and you could probably end up seeing like close to forty doubles. It would not surprise me at all. I think you're right. Yeah, if he goes on another home run streak against the Yankees, I'm strangely okay with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in that similar mold, I know you just focus on Loris Gurriel Jr. all of a sudden having the swagger once he finally got anchored into a position. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, very similar. I know he might not quote unquote have the same ceiling as Loris Gurriel Jr., but we saw in some of those streaks at the end of the season last year, Adam, that he all of a sudden looked a little bit more comfortable. And then in the plate, you saw the numbers kind of kick up a little bit too. Maybe this year with the more or less, I'm going to think we're going to end up having four outfielders and he's going to be rotating with the other guys in and out of that DH spot. What do you think? Do you think the 230 batting average you're projecting here spikes a little bit? No, I can't get there. I can't. I can't. It's the consistency is a huge issue for me. Um, I need him to be more consistent. I need him to be more disciplined at the plate. Matter of fact, it's funny that you mentioned this because um, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, through Instagram, and you know he was talking to me about Teoscar and having him maybe this year being a breakout year, much like you suggested a little bit. Not obviously not to point to a breakout, but yeah. a little bit more confident than last Size. year. Yeah, and I was like, I just I can't get there, man. I think. Out of anybody on this team right now, you know, save for veteran one-year contract players, like you know, sort of like what happened last year. But in terms of the mainstays, it wouldn't surprise me if he was the one dealt at the trade deadline. It really wouldn't, because I, I just think that the inconsistencies are going to be, uh, if they continue, to be bothersome. And you know, I, I don't think there's much room for that on this team right now. And I think this this front office has such a hard on for Derek Fisher 
that's really going to be tough to overstep. Now you're just jumping ahead of things. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if Kevin Biggio is also going to be playing some outfield. Yeah. Right. And so like it, it, it's going to become two muddied waters. And obviously for me, it would it for me, Derek Fisher is the one to go. But this front office seems to be like so hell bent on keeping him and proving that their their perspective on him. Correct. So I think out of anybody, you know, that's going to have a spot on the starting lineup. Not, you know, obviously not Anthony Alford, but, you know, that will be a mainstay for this team. I think Teoscar is the one that you're going to be the most frustrated with. Yeah, one thing that teams are always looking for around the trade deadline is that guy can come in and be the fourth outfielder or whatever, or a bench guy that has insane thunder at the plate. And Teoscar has that. Mm. And he's got the speed to go along with that that a lot of guys don't either. So that's the other catch. He's got sneaky speed. I don't I don't remember noticing it until last year, honestly. <laughs> so, But it's not stolen base speed. It's a, He can just is a very good base runner. He reminds me a lot of Reyes. Just his approach with his running, um, I, I just he's got the body type as well. So I yeah. think in that aspect you're right. Um, but like I said, it's just just the inconsistency and the strikeouts have to be worked on. And if they're not, I think he's uh, a, a prime trade candidate. Yeah. So you brought it up. All right. Should we talk about Derek Fisher? Because I mean, we're going to have projections. It almost makes it look like they have him as our everyday center fielder. Real, I thought they declared uh, Great Chuck as the everyday center. They did, but I'm looking at these projections right now. Basically, uh, it it is in all real world non-projection shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is Randall Grichuk. But these steamer projections are kind of suggesting that Derek Fisher is going to get 96 games in a Blue Jay uniform this year. He's got to be playing a good share of those in the outfield. Would be my guess. I think yes. that's sneaky to me here. 15 home runs and almost 50 RBIs. Again, I can't get there. <laughs> I am right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I can't get there. Like, I am betting nope. on Travis Shaw being an MVP before I see those numbers. <laughs> but look, like you know, we laugh and we and we you know evaluate from what we've seen based on you know recency bias, right? And I think that's just human nature, not to get philosophical about it. But I think like last year we still had the images of him getting nailed in the face with the foul ball. And we're just like, this guy's trash, right? Because that was our first impression of Derek Fisher. But, you know, at the same time, we do have this implicit trust in this front office and how they evaluate talent. And I think that, you know, if we're going to lend that credence towards this front office, maybe they're seeing something that we have it. And they chased this guy. They really did. Like, they gave up a pretty substantial haul, I would say, to get him. And, you know, for me, it's just like maybe there's something that we didn't see. Maybe he was nervous. Maybe he was trying to like prove himself a little bit more than, you know, than otherwise he would have. Yeah, I'm hoping. So if this is what he's producing, I'm, it's it's good. Like I'm okay yeah. with it. But I just I just can't get there because the eye test doesn't suggest it. But at the same time, I have to have this implicit trust, and I have to knock on that and say like I gotta give it to the front office, and I'm gonna give him like maybe up until June. To really be like, all right, dude, this is your waiting period. If come June he's still producing the way he did last year, I'm 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 through. Yeah, and why do I feel like as far as our outfield concerns go, this is the we don't have anybody else argument. Exactly, <laughs> which we do. Hint, hint, Anthony it's how the chips fall. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because right now you have no clear standout, and we've made that pretty abundantly clear on our previous episodes, even with you. Right. Right. <laughs> so the outfield picture is in question. But what's before I we dive into what the possible benches 
are, are I think we have to talk Travis Shaw. Sure. So Travis Shaw signs with the Blue Jays. They're predicting that he's going to be in 104 games. And honestly, I'm other than the batting average being a little lower than what I really think he might could bounce back to, these power numbers are pretty much right on point here with, you know, 20 home runs, 54 uh, runs scored, and 58 RBIs. I'm shocked that the doubles aren't a little bit more, but maybe that I, maybe it's just because I think in an American League East ballpark, especially like the Rogers Center, those little those few extra little singles tend to roll to the wall on the turf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but in all reality, this is a nice bounce back for a guy the Blue Jays spot severely low, <laughs> yeah. and is going to shore up the defense a bit. It's real. If you look at last year's numbers, it's not that different. Than Justin Smoke, correct. It's not. It's not that far off. Um, so for maybe in the walks and strikeout category, <laughs> right? I'm just talking like in, in terms of the hits and the average and whatnot. It's correct. it's really not that far off, especially the home runs too. So if you were satisfied with the production of Justin Smoke last year, and I certainly was too, like I, I obviously like he too can be a strikeout with machine, but at the same time, like. If you would have told me, and not looking this up, that he was hitting just 208, I would have been like, I could have sworn it was higher. Like, implicitly, I think, oh, maybe that this doesn't sound right, It'll, a little higher, but ju- that's what Justin Smoke hit last year. And if Travis Shaw is providing you the same amount of production, or maybe even a little bit better, then, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. Because let's not forget, this is a guy that used to rake as a Red Sox. Like, he was pretty good as a Red Sox. Like, he wasn't a world beater, but he was still a pretty decent power hitter in the AL East. And now he's being placed back in that environment. I think this could help him. You know, I think this could do him wonders a little bit. And if it's sort of a reclamation project, like Blue Jays love that, especially with their vets, <coughs> Kendrick Morales. <coughs> so, like, yeah, I'll uh, I'll take it. I, I think that if this is what we're going to get out of Travis Shaw, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I think, um, like we were just talking about, we don't have really somebody that's ran away with a first base job. Right. You bring in somebody like Travis Shaw. He's a veteran presence. He's played on a few playoff teams with the with the Brewers the last few years, and he was in the MVP conversation just a few years ago. If he had an extra few points on his batting average, he would have been right there in the top ten voting probably. But the fact that he was even in that conversation of the top twenty so players in baseball in the National League that's impressive. <laughs> so the fact that we are buying low, I'm more or less like what we gave Justin Smoke a flyer. Come out and prove it. That's what he's getting. If he hits me 20 bombs and hits around 60 RBIs this year, that's exactly what this offense needs behind the guys that we are, you know, mentioning up at the top. Right. So this is sprinkling it in our lineup and making it that much longer. That and the fact he is a lefty bat. Yes. And, you know, we need those in this order. Well, we'll rather, we needed them last year uh, a lot more. So, like, it's good to have that presence in the lineup. And, hey, like, a, a lot of people like Rowdy Tellez. And I get it, but I'm strangely more comfortable with Travis Shaw starting out at first base than I would be Rowdy Tellez. I agree with you. So we'll talk Rowdy in a minute. Sure. But let's talk the catching situation because these projections are pretty much dead nuts on where we. I see what you did. (laughs) So Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen Mm -hmm. basically split on these projections, and in all reality, they're not looking terribly different on paper here yeah so a little bit more thunder from danny jansen but not much at 11 versus 8 home runs 
Um, about the same batting average, but Danny Jansen is getting on base at a better cliff. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was more crazy, if you scroll all the way over to the right side of that thing, defensive war, Danny Jansen is edging out Reese McGuire by a good point and a half. <laughs> that was what I think is a little shocking. But then again, this is a guy that ended up being in the gold glove conversation and kind of came out of nowhere last season. It's cool stuff. Yeah, he started off slow. That's what I do remember about Danny Jansen. So sort of expect that again. Um, but this is a guy that like I remember you popping on my show uh, a couple years back. And we were raving over Danny Jansen when he was in Buffalo. We were just raving over them. And that's that's talent that I don't think has been realized yet. And I think it's there. Um, I think he can do better than these numbers. I believe that he can. Um, I, I don't see this much of an even split between them in terms of games. Um, I do think Danny Jansen, Danny, Jansen, Danny Jansen is the better player of the two and I do think that you know given the upside especially on defense um I just I just think he's better I just think that he could provide a little bit more stability on both ends of the field for the Blue Jays than Reese can and that's not a knock on Reese I think Reese is good but I just think talent edges out and the cream rises to the top and I think that's going to be Danny Jansen this year don't lowball me (laughs) (laughs) You said enough terrible jokes there around that whole thing, so I just think it was I had to get one more in there. Danny right. Jansen is your everyday catcher in this team. Yes. That's yes. what I figured. So I'm not gonna dive into the whole thing that you're all thinking we're going to. We're gonna save that for a future show. You mean what happened? No, I'm um I'm not gonna dance around it or fondle it. But, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I agree, Danny Jansen. It's his job, I think, to lose, right? Because he did everything you wanted from him last year defensively, and with a pitching staff that literally makes a revolving door look good. <laughs> yeah, he still managed to keep that pitching staff together, eat up innings, and found a way to sprinkle in enough offense for me to know that there's going to be some flashes and maybe more consistency coming. Reese McGuire is that small sample size right now that I didn't see enough of last season that I know one way or the other, he is a solid backup catcher. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's more of a 60-40 split at a minimum toward what is going on here with these projections on the fan grass page. But never know. Things happen. So I would expect something similar to what we saw with Martin and what was it, DeAndre Navarro? Um, that is probably actually a very, very accurate statement. Yes, I, I, I expect that um, sort of split. So that was basically a 60-40. I want to say Navarro was um, Estrada's main catcher, if not exclusive catcher. Correct. All right, so there you and go. Like, stirred so, the pot efficiently on that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it will be, I think, something like that. And um, it would not surprise me, and maybe this is being a little bold, but it wouldn't surprise me if Danny Jansen really settled in and we see that home run total approach 20. That wouldn't shock me at all. No, and I think in the American League East ballparks, we saw those few home runs he hit last year. Mm-hmm. The guy's not hitting little ones. Right. Those are all at least making it over the bullpens. Mm-hmm. I think he only had one fence scraper the whole time I saw it. So. Right. And anyway, and that's also including in Buffalo. There was a yep. couple I saw him hit in Buffalo. It's like, man, that's going to hit the street. Oh, yep. that's right. We got that giant net there. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's where Vladdy's hitting him off the top of the net, and he's right. not too far behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we already talked Reese McGuire is probably going to be the everyday backup catcher. So let's talk what the rest of these projections have talked about for the bench. It looks like it's more or less going to be Rowdy Telez, Billy McKenney, Jonathan Davis, and Anthony Alford, according to these projections, with a small sprinkling of Caleb Joseph for some reason and Santiago Espinal. Yep. <laughs> There's one big name that I think we're missing there, and I think he's going to make the team. You know who I'm alluding to? Are you going to leave me in suspense, or do you want to? Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> You really think he's going to make the team? I just he to me he's Eric Sogard all over again this year. You want to know who Eric Sogard was for this team that they didn't get? MVP. Oh, sorry. I was going to say Brock Holt, <laughs> but I guess you could say that too. Uh, we're not going to quite have as much nerd power, but I think Joe Panic edges out some of the competition, especially guys like Espinal that haven't gotten a chance to play too much in AAA yet. Why wouldn't you just start the season with Panic on the roster? I would agree with that over Espinal. I don't know that over the other guys that he's going to get the nod. 26-man roster. Yeah, that's true. They're adding the extra guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my key right there to mm. that whole whole situation. So we don't have any projections on this thing for, for Panic, but it says that Roddy Telez is once again going to be a wrecking ball at 11 home runs and somehow manage it 30 runs and 34 RBIs and actually a healthy 251 batting average which would be a hell of a welcomed improvement so Uh, I mean I don't hate it right you know I I don't necessarily I I just think that guys like McKinney are going to be favored um just because they like flexibility right exactly they love and they love the familiarity aspect um, walking into a season, but it wouldn't surprise. I think he's going to make it difficult. Put it that way. I in agree. Spring. So, but then the other guys, Jonathan Davis and Anthony Alford. Davis, we saw plenty of what he can do last season, and you and I watching Buffalo saw that did ridiculous level of defense and including sealing the deal for a TJ Zoik no hitter. <laughs> um. Anthony Alford, has, as much as we love him, yeah, I have to say we haven't been able to see it as much the last couple of years. He's only 24 compared to Jonathan Davis being 26. Between the two of them, if it came down that you had a roster spot for which one of them, are you betting on the guy that has good defense and crazy speed, or are you going for the guy with the high upside in Alford? I just I don't think they – much how I said I don't see it with Fisher, I don't think they see it with Alfred. I think that, you know, if they believed in him, they would give him more opportunities than they did. And um, they'd be giving him, for lack of a better way to put it, the bare minimum when it comes to opportunities. I don't know that he's going to have a place on this team much further. Okay. So out of the offense, before we dive into pitching, who sets spring training on fire? Starts off spring training on fire. How can you not say Vlad? I'm going to say Vlad. <laughs> Best shape of his life. Yeah. I'm going to say Vlad. <laughs> I'm thinking Vlad, or Vlad is going to be the main focus of attention, but I'm very excited to see a healthy Lourdes Gurriel Jr. All right. All very right. I excited. Like, yeah. 
Okay. And I'm hoping that Alfred just figures out something to be like, don't you dare forget about me. <laughs> oh, but, like, you know, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Alfred. Like, I want him to be on this team. I think I, we've we said it time and time again. For me, he's the most athletic player on this team. Um, but I just I don't think the front office believes in him. Yeah, I did just realize something. We forgot about Brandon Drury. Oh, God. OK, oh, moving on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, now let's flip to the pitching side, my friend. This is going to look a lot different for Blue Jays fans this year. And we're going to go over the totals and whatnot and changes and everything as far as offense and pitching goes here in a minute. But let's talk the players first. Sure. So starting pitching this year, we actually have a rotation. We do. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. So we're not going to have this redu- ridiculous revolving door of players pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're not going to be having random knuckleballers come back from Japan. We're not going to be having guys from single A come up just to eat up a few innings. Let me be the one to say, knock on desk. <laughs> but regardless, if we do, outside of Ryu, Rourke, Anderson, Shoemaker, and it looks like it's Trent Thornton's job to lose as the fifth starter, but things mm. will be ironed out here in coming weeks with games starting this weekend. Um, are you really that scared after that if Anthony Kay, Wagas Pack, Ryan Baraki, and company get a few extra innings? You're talking TJ Zoik is 10 billion miles down the um, depth chart at this point after you add those you know three guys that we were just talking there. Right. You have depth, so if you have 10 normal rotation-ready starters, this is looking like a team, and even in Buffalo, that's going to have a hell of a starting rotation. Right. It's a lot less daunting than last year. We sort of touched on this last week um, in terms of stability that this uh, starting pitching staff is exhibiting. Um, At least the first three I'm super confident in. Um, and we, we already talked about Shoemaker last week. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, I highly suggest you download it and check it out. Um, but, you know, I, I also mentioned Barucky. I don't want to say he's injury-prone, but he's kind of injury-prone. Well, here we are. I, I, I just don't see it, man. I'm not – I want to. I really do. But, like, he is the one constant that is just so unreliable. And maybe he hasn't been on the team long enough to be injury-prone. But something worries me about his longevity, and that's why I think Trent Thornton, you know, we talked about how at the end of the year he was pretty good. He, he, he was probably the most reliable starting pitcher that you had towards the end of the year. I think he's going to run away with it. I really do. I think he's going to open a lot of eyes this year. I think being the, the fifth starter, whatever, once he establishes that, I don't think he's going to let go of that vice grip. No, I agree with you. I think that, like like I said a second ago, I think it's his job to lose. And I think we're going to see a different Trent Thornton than what we saw last, you know, even all-star break time frame. Yeah. There was something that switched at the end of the year for him. And he just looked like he's like, nope, this is where I belong kind of thing. Yeah. I just think it's hilarious with some of these projections that they only had him at 128 innings when he pitched 187, I believe, last year. Right. <laughs> yes, that was due to we don't have anybody else. Right. But these projections were not nice to Toronto Blue Jays pitching. No, no, I'm looking at the uh, the starting rotation. No one's, you know, outside of I think the lowest is I'm looking at right. Yeah, with 4.28 ERA. That's uh, Ryu. Sorry, is that's ridiculous. 
I think this he's going to. This guy was this runner-up to the Cy Young Award. Yes, he's in a new division that has smaller ballparks than the National League West. But this is a guy that's proven time and time again that he can get major league pitch or hitters out. And I just don't see him being that terrible at no, all. No, yeah. I, I, I figure he's 3.5 at a worst, right? Yes, yes. I, I, I think that, you know, I think that's what they factored in here is that the new ballpark and the new environments that he's going to be pitching in, um, his fences are a lot shorter. But on the other hand, like, you looked at what he was able to do last year and he was painting things. He was, he was so, you know, utilizing that finesse. It was artistic. With, Yes, it was, he was very, his placement was outstanding, and I think that's going to work in his benefit to the ALEs that are looking to just mash the ball. He's going to be able to utilize that and um, probably use the aggression of the opponents, of the hitters rather, to his advantage. So I, I can't see him finishing the year with an ERA of 4+. plus. I just I, I can't get there. Um, I, I can't get Shoemaker at a 5+. plus. I can't get there. Um, I think it's going to be much lower than that, and I don't think that they're being favorable or fair to this rotation. I don't see, and maybe I have Blue Jay goggles on. I don't know. But I just have a hard time seeing even the guy. with this collective group being able to actually eat up some innings where the bullpen's not getting completely taxed? There's nobody on this rotation that I think that gets above 4.5. Right. Let alone (laughs) 5.4, like they're saying for Chase Anderson. Yeah, I can see Maybe. Chase being in the force. I can see that. But, you know. Or even Roark if he has a rough start, you know. Yeah. He's one of those guys that if he gets off to a good start this year, right in April, I think he's set for the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, I, I feel like Shoemaker's going to come out aggressive. I think he's super determined to to carry what he was, um, carry over, rather, what he was producing last year. Um but, you know, you're talking about Blue Jays' goggles. Maybe it's because we're so jaded with such a terrible rotation <laughs> for the past, like, two, three it years. It cannot get any worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we're thinking, like, no way this is going to be as bad. And I don't anticipate it being as bad, but I do think that, like, I don't know, there's a sense of me, and maybe it's just Blue Jays' trauma that I'm just like, let's just pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But like, I, I do implicitly have confidence in this rotation because, like, you can't deny the talent. You just can't. And I, I do think that it's going to be something that's going to be much better than these projections. Yeah, more or less, they are projecting, at least when you look, bare bones at the you know the last year's final stats for the rotation mm. and the projections on paper for from this Fangraphs page that we're looking at. We are going to have literally 25% more innings pitched from our starting pitching. Yeah. That, that part does not shock me when we were talking about the revolving door and having guys like Yesley Diaz come up as much as I love him and I think he's going to be a good pitcher. Can't have a guy like that pitching one inning. No. And no. hoping to get starting pitching innings out of it. Right. Can't get too far in that category with having openers, which is funny enough, I think the Red Sox are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we've talked the, the rotation and that, how it can't get any worse and the fact that you do have some backfill and just places to go for a change. There, it's hard for me to believe that we don't hit that number where we're just getting what seems like an ungodly amount of starting pitching innings compared mm-hmm. to the last few years. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see a lot of these players eating it up and um, you know, keeping that pipeline a little bit fresher than last year. 
which is going to be beneficial. It's not like we're going to be scraping for bodies to come in. Like anybody in the Rogers Center want to pitch today with your ticket? Let's go. I don't think we're going to see that. Um, so hopefully this rotation is reliable. But again, my Blue Jays trauma, I'm super hesitant to say that because I know right now I'm jinxing shit and someone's going to get hurt. Yeah, I've got to knock on desk here. I, I can't deal with any injuries again this year. So even though Ryan Barucki's, you know, starting the trend, um, I, I just, I, I need a healthy, stable rotation for the first time in how many years? Please give it to me. This doesn't feel too much different than the way the um, 2015 season started off with the rotation yeah. to me. It, yeah. But the fact is we actually do have a fifth starter. Right. Where, remember, Daniel Norris actually started a team north <laughs> of the border and was the fifth starter before in a van. Sanchez and company finally figured things out. Yeah, he lived in a van. I remember that yeah. guy. But it wasn't down by the river. No, no, no. <laughs> wasn't living off a steady diet of government cheese. <laughs> is he still pitching for Detroit? He is, and he's supposed to be on their rotation this year. Okay. So, right. Which doesn't shock me as Detroit right now. But yeah, they, 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 funny enough, the, with all things going on in Detroit, they have a chance to have a sneaky rotation with Michael Fulmore coming back. Mm. So, yeah. Um, and funny enough, leading that last year, former Blue Jay Meyer League hand, Matt Boyd. They, they, <laughs> yeah, I remember that, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but I think I remembered calling that on one of your shows. That out of all the guys we trade for David Price, it wouldn't have shocked me that Matt Boyd would have been the standout. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I don't remember why at the time I said that, but I had seen Matt Boyd pitch more than I had seen Daniel Norris. Mm. And something just felt funny for me there. Clicked for you? Yeah, something clicked right in the Matt Boyd conversation, but... Maybe I have an eye. I don't know. Maybe somebody should be paying me. <laughs> if you're waiting for me to disagree, you might want to take a seat because I'm not going to disagree. So. <laughs> no argumentative point, huh? No, no, I got nothing. <laughs> All right, so let's talk bullpen before we talk how the quote-unquote projection numbers stack up to what last year's Toronto Blue Jays and Major League Baseball numbers look like. Sure. Um, this bullpen looks like it's going to fill out pretty nicely from these projections, and I think one of the quote-unquote things that they were talking about today was that maybe Jacob Walker's peck ends up in the bullpen if he misses out on the fifth spot just due to having a long guy like him in the bullpen. Yes. So you'll have somebody like him, Wilmer Font, maybe a Tom Pannone, uh, Jordan Romano, Sean Reed Foley's in this mix here with Anthony Bass, Ken Giles, and I don't know why it doesn't say Yamaguchi on here. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's too new. But either way, this is a bullpen I think that's stacked up a little bit to the point where at least there's no weird blind spots to it. It's kind of worst case scenario, you have something straight all the way through. A guy that can be consistent one way or the other. And I kind of feel like these numbers prove that, but I do not see Ken Giles only getting 30 saves with this team if we actually get some offense. You see it being more? I just don't see it being at least 35. Mm. It's not much more, but it is something. Because I have a strange feeling if the offense actually does click with this team, we're going to have some good blowouts. <laughs> yeah, so there won't be a need for a safe situation. I, yeah, But I don't think it's going to be him having an issue with lack of opportunity to get okay. 30 or 35 saves. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, sorry, the bullpen as it stands is good. Um, and it's really hard to evaluate bullpen because they, they're, they're so fluid. They change from year to year. 
day to day, week to week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I, I think that Montoya already said that Panone is 100% going to be a bullpen guy. He's no longer to make any starts, which I say thank you so much for that. I think that's a good move. Yeah. I think his stuff can carry out of the bullpen, where the problem was with him was repetitivity, right? Yes. They come around that second time, and it's like, oh, yeah, and gone. Yep. Yep. Um, I do think that he mentioned something along the lines of still being willing to stretch out Sean Reed Foley. Um, I can't get there either. I think he's much better suited as a bullpen role, um, even though his control issues are still prevalent, um, if you can get those, that guy, I can air it out though. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. If you can get that under control, he, I think he's a great setup guy. He has that potential. He could have um, eventually, even with his stuff, even the littlest bit of control that can last in an inning, he could be a guy that has Ken Giles type stuff for closing. Yes, yes, I can, I can totally see it. Um, but there's a big butt in front there. <laughs> yeah, control is nothing you can teach. You can't teach control. That's something that you have to just work right. on. So, um, you know, I, it, Waggis Pack being in the bullpen makes sense because I, even though he is fighting for that fifth starter job, I think we, you know, we've already agreed that Trent Thornton's probably going to be the one to walk away with that. Same thing with Yamaguchi. Um, I just think that's a good pen, right? And I, and I don't know that that necessarily is something that you can scoff at and say that this, it's unreliable. Obviously, there are question marks all over the place. Um, and you're walking into a pretty big unknown when it comes to any bullpen. Um, but I, I just I think there's a little bit more stability here than there was in previous seasons, which makes me a little bit more comfortable with what we're, we're dealing with. Yeah, because worst case scenario, you're talking about having somebody like Kirby Sneed, James Dykstra, and whoever at that point, Patrick Murphy even. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yesney Diaz. Even, and they have Thomas Hatch even here on this projection mm-hmm. for 10 innings with Yesney Diaz. That's not a terrible idea. If you're in a pennant race, why not bring that up and do the the Aaron Sanchez thing to push us into the 2015 playoffs? Yes, yes. It makes complete sense. And for an area that, like you said, is very fluid, that's a that's a way for somebody to get major league innings that they would normally have not gotten until you finally had a starting position open. Right. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Like it, uh, it could be worse, and we've seen worse. And I and maybe that's the the hashtag this year. It could be worse, but like you know, <laughs> it could be worse. I I think this is a reliable, decent pen. I I'm, I can't go so far as to say that it's solid because I need to see it in action first. That's with any bullpen. But I I, I think it's much better than what we've seen in previous years. And I don't think fans need to stress about it. Worst case scenario, it's as good as last year and not overworked. Okay. Yes. Does that make yes. sense to you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, all right, now that we've talked the players, how does this stack up to last year? Yes, I actually did the math. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to have, according to the 2020 project- projections compared to what we had in 2019, we are going to have closer to 100 hits, about 20 or 30 more doubles, eh, a couple triples, about the same in home runs, a few more runs scored in RBIs for some reason about 10% more in walks okay. I, I'm just assuming they forgot to count Randall Grichik <laughs> I'll take it, don't get me wrong <laughs> somehow 114 less strikeouts as a team and they think we're actually going to steal some bases okay. according to these projections so 30 more stolen bases 
I know it's not a ton, but that's the difference a lot in rank-wise with Major League Baseball these days when nobody is stealing bases. And maybe that's a way this Blue Jays team can steal some extra points and runs on the board. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the because of all that, the batting average and the on-base percentage are going to move up. And because of the players that we alluded to during the offensive hitting part of this thing, we're going to jump from a 13.5 offensive war to 19.3. Okay. Are you shocked by some of those numbers jumping up as much as they do from projections, yes, to where we stacked up yesterday or last year as this team is starting to look together? No. No, because you're getting a full season of those uh, four mainstays that we've been talking about. Like, I know um, Lourdes was already in there, but you're getting a full season of Vladdy, of Cavan, and of Bo. And I think that's going to make a world of difference for this team. Um, and some of that swagger and some of that confidence should bleed over and, as a result, make some of the other players on the on the team uh, that much more confident, i.e. Dan and Jansen. And, uh, you know, the persistence of what we talked about with Travis Shaw, all this adds up. Right, you know the the carryover, I should say, from Justin Smoke to Travis Saw being not that much of a jump. All this adds up to being a a better uh, offensively productive team, and it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a world beating offense. I don't think it's going to mirror what we've seen in 2015, for instance. But I think it's going to be a lot better than last year, and we'll be able to push somewhere closer to 500. There's a lot less places to, and there's not anywhere to hide in the lineup anymore. Mm. Yeah, right. There's oh, there's at least somebody above average at each position now. Where last year it was like, oh, okay, we threw out Brandon Drury way too many games, and yeah, <laughs> you know, he didn't even produce a. It was a negative WAR last year, <laughs> so things like that. But as far as offense goes, I know I just laid out the numbers there and what what is plus, positive and what is negative. But in almost every offensive category last year, the Blue Jays finished in the top bottom five. Yeah. Outside of home runs, which I know we're shocked. We we, we live in the Rogers Center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So looking at where these new numbers for the projections would fall as a team, if they were the numbers instead of where we were for 2019, we should just inject these right into where the standings are. In total hits, we're about the same. We move from the bottom depths of the American League in doubles, triples, run and home runs, and RBIs into above average so either 15 or above in rank okay and the better, best one of those still being home runs at what would have been 13 basically as we lost a few somehow in that category so and then jumping from literally number 30 in all of major league baseball to 11th place in stolen bases and being That's also the- in the above league average and average and on base percentage you can't climb those kind of ranks and not get better as a team. So, Yeah, that's huge. Especially that stolen base uh, number really jumps out to me. And I'm wondering who's going to be stealing these bags. Uh, you had to assume Boba Shett is going to steal a, a large portion of them. But maybe your, your eye on Teoscar is correct. Maybe Lourdes is you know coming out gunning for stolen bags. Mm-hmm. I'll I think start Derek at that. Fisher even sneakily could steal 10 bases. Maybe it Grich- would shock me. Yeah, Grichik's got it too, but I just don't think he has that eye for knowing when to go. Right. But outside so. of them, I, can't, I, I don't really know 
I don't, Vlad's not going to really be stealing hmm. many bags, you know. Shaw's well, not going to be like you said, was stealing like 40 bases in a season yeah. in the minor it's, leagues, and it wasn't a problem. Yeah. You so. know, so maybe you're right. Maybe, obviously, these are just projections. These aren't gospel. But, you know, if that's what we're seeing, how can you not be a 500 ball club? Yeah. And the other one that I thought was massive improvement, somehow, like I said, this seems like almost they forgot about certain people in our lineup there in these projections. But we somehow lost almost 200 strikeouts. What? <laughs> yes, we went from well, being the most, uh, most collectively strike uh, struck out team in Major League Baseball to 21 <laughs> in the rankings for that. Yeah, Socrates Brito isn't here anymore. <laughs> Kevin Pillar's not here anymore. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I guess when you look at it like that way, who we dropped off, not who we gained, yeah. <laughs> then yes, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So... All right, that's the offensive side. Is there anything there that, other than the stolen bases that shocks you, or is it just the fact that we're actually relevant around the league average that was maybe surprising? It's surprising, but it's welcoming, so I'll take it. Correct. I love it too. So as far as the pitching goes, we had already mentioned a minute ago, Adam, that we were not very happy with where the Toronto Blue Jays quote-unquote ranked on those projections. So that unfortunately either kept us pretty much at the same where we were or slight improvement throughout this ranks. So we went from being like, I think they were literally the second to last place team in wins as the strict pitching. And they only got 67 wins as a starting pitching or as a pitching staff last year. They're getting a little ground there, but they're still thinking we're in the bottom third of major league baseball. I don't know how you can add Hyunjin Ryu and not get yeah. better on that category. But part of that is, I guess, maybe they're not accounting for the fact that our offense might be better and they're isolating these two categories. But they're saying we're going to get 71 wins as a collective team this year out of our pitching staff. That is improving by four. I don't I, see it. It seems like which way? It's nope. too low. Yeah. I just figure with our a consistent attack in the pitching staff, you would think you'd be getting that much better. Yeah, and they're all... Well, I shouldn't say all. But the, the, the majority of them are pretty reliable. Salvageable, right? We're not, we're not yeah. talking like dumpster dive guys. We're talking about above-average Major League Baseball players. Yeah, it's a, it's a... You built a good rotation. So And, yeah, I, I, I can't see how it would be a little higher. All right. So I'm going to get to, I think, what is the smoking gun here in a minute. But I'm going to dance around it and let you just you know soak in this stuff like I did when I read it the first time. Sure. Team ERA is going to somehow go worse. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we had a 4.79 team ERA last year. They say we're going to be about 4.81. Not much. Yes, we're talking decimals. But when you're talking yeah. about a team... It's still, quote-unquote, the bottom third of Major League Baseball pitching staffs in ERA. So, saves is the next category. Pretty much dead nuts right where we were, 32 and 33. That's still on the low side for Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. Hits, however, and this is where I don't like and I don't know how these numbers came up, and this is where the math starts to get really, really funkin' weird. Hits were going to massively improve to the point where we were one of the teams that gave up the most hits in Major League Baseball last year to all of a sudden being ranked number 12. What? <laughs> I'll take it. And then we're going to go to being in the middle of how many earned runs we have. 
but apparently we're going to give up a fuck ton of home runs. <laughs> is that the AL East aspect you think they're just soaking in on? I feel like that's that that note we were talking about with Ryu a few minutes ago, that they're just thinking he's going to come into our division and get hammered or something. Yeah. yeah. But I don't see him. He's a ground ball guy. It just doesn't strike me as, like, this is going to be insane, you know. But we're going to lose strikeouts because of what we did, and I'm assuming that's mostly because of the opener nonsense and everything we did at the end of the year last year. And but improving in insane amount, but doesn't show up as much in the rank difference here. The Blue Jays gave up 604 walks as a team last year, dropping that like a stone from the freaking sky to 450. Whoa, <laughs> that's Whoa. that consistency you were talking about. Yeah, and where does that rank us? It's it, where, where is that... near the bottom, but okay, but still, that's improvement. an improvement. Yeah. And I don't really care where I'm ranked on that when we were walking people at a freaking crazy clip last year. Yeah. Um, so, but then yeah, this is I, where it gets even weirder because I'm going to give you this last one and I'm, I'm just going to ask you to hold that comment for one second. Yeah. Because of those numbers, the whip, which is a very good gauge of how good pitchers are doing, right? As walks, hits, innings, pitch. Mm-hmm. We're going from 1.426 all the way down to 1.35 which moves us somehow up into what would have been the 16th best team in Major League Baseball from 20-something. <laughs> right. That's a big jump that you're all yeah. of a sudden just squashing Major League hitters. Yeah, I don't know how they make this add up. <laughs> because it seems like we're improving a lot more than we're getting worse. And maybe the the categories that we're getting worse are a little bit more detrimental, according to these uh, these projections. But they must be thinking that. First of all, I don't know how updated these are after the Red Sox trades, and I'm being serious about that. Um, the fact that we don't even have Yamaguchi on our roster on this, it seems like it's got to be at least two, three weeks old. Yeah, I, this might need some updating. And if it if it is updated, then they must really love the Yankees. They, <laughs> like I I don't know how else to to. You know, reconcile all this. Um, you know, I, I I just think that they're going to be overall, and I don't know if people are going to find this insulting, but it really wouldn't surprise me if we were like close to middle of the pack. No, here. like it would it, not shock me. I figure league average across the board, which actually could be good enough. Yeah, I'm thinking like 14, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't shock me at all. But like to to be ranked this low. I just don't see it. They must think that Ryu is just going to get de- destroyed. To the tune of a 4.5 ERA, a guy that literally just finished second place in the <laughs> Cy yeah. Award shit from this yeah. past season. He won the ERA title. Yeah. So, but no, just inflate it by, what, 300%? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't worry I, I about just, it. I can't get there. I really can't. And, like, maybe this is... Again, me and my Blue Jays goggles on. Like we went through this mm-hmm. with R. A. Dickey. I mean, we, we went through it with him. We yes. we thought we had a gem, and he wasn't. So, Correct. But I don't think not being a knuckleballer already speaks a bajillion times better for real. Right. 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 <laughs> I was wondering when they made that trade if that ball was even going to knuckle in the Rogers Center with the dome. Show. Right. Yeah. So I, I might have been proven right a little bit, but. So the next couple categories are K per nine, walks per nine, and then FIP before we talk war with our pitching staff. K per nine, I'm not shocked that this number dropped. 
you went from having, like I said, some openers that were eating, you know, getting two or three strikeouts in each inning when they opened up the games and Font and company, right, to having somebody more like Ryu that really doesn't strike out a ton of players. He just knows how to get people out, right? He's pitched to contact, correct. Yeah. So seeing this drop, that's fine. And the fact that our walks per nine are ungodly. We're in the top ten at number eight. Wow. <laughs> how low this is, which is just even fucking this math up from projections. What? And this is why uh, this is fun with projections that we're talking here, and why this conversation has gotten so interesting. But the fact that you go fix, the, fix those two numbers, and then you watch the field independent pitching drop as well, it leads to what last season for Blue Jays starting pitching or the pitching rotation in general, right? Not even just the starting pitching, bullpen, everything sure. inclusive. A negative yep. 2.7 war up to a 10.3. Wow. That is not a slouch at. That is a jump. <laughs> yeah. It's only like, you know, 13 points. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's a jump. <laughs> that just shows you how bad it was last year. And in all reality, I don't know where 10.3 falls for a pitching staff period on the spectrums. I didn't do that look up, Adam. But mm. that jumping from that, you're jumping from – garbage to at least average well let's think about the other teams that have improved right like in terms of the the pitching aspect like it's just off the top of our dome like in the especially in the al east like besides garrett cole and i'm not you know scoffing at that i'm not seeing much improvement around the all, any of the other teams in fact the red sox should be worse we were talking about him having an opener earlier. <laughs> right, right. Like, they, like, say what you want about David Price, and he's not the David Price of old, but still, like, he was reliable and somewhat reliable for the Red Sox, and Positive that's a huge... war pitcher. Yeah, he's now removed from their rotation. The Orioles suck. Uh, Tampa Bay, you can never really count them out. But their but, pitching staff is ridiculous. Yeah. And you're talking yeah. about getting Tyler Glass now back for a year. So... Yeah, I, I just don't know that this is going to. I think this is really good news from what I'm seeing. Like, that's a really like, big jump, insane jump. When I, I honestly on that thing, Adam, I literally did the math like three goddamn times. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't believe it at first. I'm like, first off, I didn't realize we were negative. I figured it was, I figure it was around zero, but I didn't think it was two point seven low. Right, and then right. You jump all the way back up to ten. Holy shnikes. <laughs> yeah, That's you the know, difference I, in the world, and that is the difference between being a 500-level team or not this season. You know, we touched on whether or not the Red Sox roster has been updated to match these projections, and if we're guessing that they're not, these numbers should slightly trickle up a little bit, like especially with the the removal of Mookie Betts on the team. Like the, This should trickle up just a little bit, given how many times we play that team. So maybe it's even just slightly better than what we're anticipating right now. Um, yeah, I think this is the screams 500. Yeah, and then like we were talking about many a ta- many a time, many occasions, the chips fall on the offense in the right direction, and then you pepper in Nate Pearson into this rotation at some point. Things could happen. Are you there? I am there. You're there with him coming later on, being a starter. Yeah, I really think he's going to be more or less just from the Charlie Montoyo quote I saw earlier, and he kind of almost sounded like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like when I asked that, I mean, sorry, I should clarify, I mean this season. Obviously, he's going to be a starter for this team, but 
you really think that he's going to make that much of an impact? I know, like, right now he's lighting it up in spring training, and you're right. Like, he was like, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> Montoyo saying, <laughs> yeah, so do you think we'll see? Like, if I had to guess, he might be called up. Would really wouldn't surprise me if he's up in, like, June. Correct, and that's kind of where I'm thinking, too. They're not going to just rush him up here, especially with what we have as a rotation. So yeah, it's he's not coming somebody underperforming or getting hurt. Yeah. Or he's just that ungodly ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but, like, then again, like, I know it was service time bullshit, but, like, Vlad was ungodly ridiculous and they held him down. I don't necessarily see that happening with Nate Pearson, but I, I do think there's no, no matter what he does in spring training, and this isn't a knock on him, this isn't saying anything bad about him, no matter what he does, he's starting in Buffalo. Yeah. And I think if he comes out and we're in need of a pitcher, or maybe we're not, maybe we're making, like, a nice little push, Maybe he comes up in June and we can really... Because that's like... I know it's really Wilner-esque for me to say, but that's like a trade acquisition in a way. You know what I mean? It really is. It could be like the best free agent you'd randomly got, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't have to give up anything for him. Yes, you might be activating his service time like we were talking about, but if you have a chance to push your chips in and that's your best move at the time, I'm pulling that trigger all day, every day. Oh, it's inevitable. Yeah, for sure. And I, did, I just see it happening sooner rather than later. Yeah. And as much as you were talking about the injury bug and everything, you know something is going to be happening at some point. <laughs> I hate to say it. We're the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> it's going to happen. And ha- knowing that you have a guy that has ace quality stuff as your fifth starter, more or less. Yeah. Eh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Bring it on. And I just feel like he's going to be one of those guys that once he gets there and he gets the taste for that in the major leagues, he ain't letting go of that. Yeah, dude, his first start in Buffalo, he lit it up. Yeah, he, he had a no-hitter through seven innings, I think. Yeah, yeah, this guy has no fear. No fear. And, you know, that is something that is sorely missed from a Blue Jays starting pitcher. And, like, it, it screams, like, I don't know, maybe he's the best starting pitcher we've had since, I want to say, Doc. Like, is that too much of a jump? Oh, it sure as shit wasn't Stroman. That's what I'm saying, like, yeah, you know, a lot of people love Stroman and Estrada. I'm not taking anything away from them. Same thing with Sanchez, but like, this kid has special stuff. Yeah, and that's like you said, is no disrespect to the Haps and company that have pitched yeah, this yeah. team over the last few years, but there has not been a guy that is got Cy Young stuff. Yeah, I'm talking like a system player too that's come up through the system. Correct, and that yeah. that's I th- and that's the thing that all Blue Jays fans should be loving all day, every day. And I'm gonna bring it full circle here as we lo- we close it all up. We have the Tony Fernandez franchise thing going on right now all over again. Yes. With a core four. It is insane. And then you're going to pepper in somebody like Nate Pearson on top of that. That's your Dave Steeb that completely mowed down the guys from 1985 and won us two World Series titles in 1992 and 1993. Should have been 94, but fucking strikes. <laughs> Hate him. Is what it is. <clears throat> so, but Adam... Spring training is going to be here. First thing you're excited for as we see Trent Thornton take and dig in on uh, Saturday? Saturday, Correct. 22nd, yeah. Yep. I was thinking Friday for some reason, but that would have been too soon and too good to be true. Yeah, no, it's Saturday. <laughs> what am I excited for? For them to beat the piss out of the Yankees in a meaningless spring training game. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about Troy Tulowinski going yard on us in a first game and being way too big of a showboat for that one. <laughs> 
Come on, man. Like, no, I agree with you. I'm just saying, the sprint in Marcus Stroman, like, you know, he pretty much gave that to him because he was pissed off. There was no, I don't even want to get into it. We already talked about it last year. But no, yeah, I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to. So, Gene, I already had you egg on a little bit there. I'm going to say one more thing. Sure. The World Series trophy is just a hunk of metal that nobody should care about. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know he took that back earlier today? Yeah, I saw it. But as far as it goes, that is just like the fucking goddamn owner of the um, Astros saying that it didn't hurt the game at all. Why are you saying dumb things like this? Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> you, you are the highest authority in baseball. You are the absolute highest authority in baseball. And you're saying that your World Series championship Something that has been celebrated. Talk to the Yankees. I hate to say that. I'm not rubbing it in, you know, Craig. But talk to the Yankees about what their World Series titles means to them. Ask them if it's just a hunk of metal to them. You know, ask us, Blue Jays fans, two-time champions, two in a row. Ask us if that's a, a hunk of metal. Do you think we, we want to chase just a hunk of metal? No, that's meaningful. How could you say that, that about your own trophy? To me, that is just, you are so out of touch, man, for you have to go. And I'm not saying that as like an angry millennial here. I'm just saying like, no, you you need to step down. You don't you do not have the qualifications for me to be confident in your uh, outlook on this game. You don't and you need to go. The trophy is named after his office. Yes. <laughs> and you fucking badmouthed it. Yes. <laughs> That's like me saying the house I live in that I love is a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so all egging on an aside the last note from the whole terribleness and everything that I wanted to mention with you that we didn't talk about last week during the Houston Astros debacle segment sure. the fact that it's since come out that Major League Baseball quote unquote thought that they didn't need to punish the players because it would never stick and it would get appealed do you think that with any kind of appeal process, with how pissed off the players' union is at this whole situation, how wouldn't it not stuck? <laughs> Even if it didn't, Craig, fucking do something. Like, make the effort. Because no one would have faulted you. At that point, right, if Manfred made the effort and the MLBPA was hell-bent on, you know, squashing it, now they're the bad guys. Correct. Right? The... the the public would have looked on Manfred and said, like, hey, you tried, man. You did literally everything you could, and you thought this was worthy of this degree of punishment like we all do, A, um, and like 29 other teams think d they deserve, too. So, like, when you have 29 teams or 29 team of players that would back up this punishment, I don't know that the PA would really – Try to bury it. I really don't. I think like their their job is to represent the players. Yes, and I understand that like they they have to fight for them. But if this much you have the the face of baseball, Mike Trout, coming out and saying like I've lost a lot of respect for those guys. Like that might be little to some people. To me, that is a huge deal. That is Willie Mays saying <laughs> in all censor of the game right now. It's Babe Ruth. That's yes. Ken Griffey Jr. That is every generational player you can possibly think of off the top of your head saying, dude, you fucked up. That's Derek Jeter. And, like, I know Derek <laughs> Jeter wasn't nearly as good as Mike Trout, but he was still the representation of Major League Baseball at a time. He was the face of baseball. That is Mike Trout right now. And you I think cheated. 
yeah. can deal with it. Tweeted <laughs> out. Bryce Harper's been strangely quiet about this. I did say that. <laughs> I said, why is nobody interviewing Bryce Harper about this? That is such a clown move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you had the vast majority of your players thinking this is bullshit. You got to do something. Yeah. So anyway, Adam, we went way over budget here on time. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it was all good. This has been a very, very fun show. I am glad that I've had you on the show the last two weeks, even with Brendan Panikar as my main best buddy. Uh, it's always great to have what is more or less, in my opinion, the third member of our team here with you on the show the last few weeks. So I hope that we got some more stuff coming up in the near future with you on the show. But this is your normal segment. Give me your you know, shameless self-promoting segment. Well, first of all, it was, it was great to be back on. It was, uh, it was great to be on the other side of the microphone. Uh, being the one being asked the questions this week and, you know, being uh, the one that, you know, was following your lead. So I appreciate and I appreciate you having uh, the invite towards me to, re- I wouldn't say replace, but to take the shoes of uh, Mr. Brendan Pedicar. But uh, yeah, you can find me at South of the Six. Um, that's six I-X. That's how you spell the, the last word of it. Um, you can also find my personal page at Adam Corsair, C-O-R-S-A-I-R. You can tweet at me, whatever you got to do. Um, follow the South of the Six podcast. I appreciate that very much. And I do uh, want to thank you again for having me on. And I do anticipate Jay Bird watching being my main source of Blue Jays talk moving forward. So as long as you guys will have me on here, this is listeners where you can find me and my Blue Jays takes, if that's cool with you, Chris. We will find a way to work you into our wonderful schedule, my friend. Perfect. <laughs> more content equals more listens equals more Blue Jay family fun. So that's it. That's I think it. that's all it is. Maybe we finally get that uh, fan segment that we've been wanting to get going for so long. We only Let's had a couple it. of episodes going on with that. And one way or the other, Adam, I think this is prime and ready that we resurge those uh, live shows that we haven't done in a million years on Twitter. Let's do it. So, I'm in. Anyways, Blue Jays fans. Adam Corsair, my buddy here of South of the Six this week. Brennan Panikar allegedly will be back in country next week, so you won't have to deal with our shenanigans. You'll deal with our <laughs> regular shenanigans with him back in the hosting seat. So until then, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Talk Blue Jays with us. We love interacting with everybody, and the more the merrier. Jump in on a chat with us. Friend us. Follow us. Talk, talk, talk. Great. All things wonderful and welcome here on Jaybird Watching. We're here for you. And we are going to have some more live shows. We're hoping to actually have a couple other shows coming up, maybe on a couple of week segments kind of thing going on, and we'll see where it goes. But until then, hit us up on wherever you get your podcasting pleasures for. And, Adam, typical sound off here. Let's go, Blue Jays. Go, Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.